Standard Bank Chief Economist Gulam Balam unpacked the African continent's response to the impact of COVID-19 and the challenges and opportunities for Africa at the 10th Africa Investors Conference. In line with current world trends, Standard Bank Group has adopted a digital approach to enable African corporate clients and leading policymakers to connect virtually with some of the world's leading institutional investors. So let me talk a little bit about the responses. The responses have been diverse and and accumulating over many phases. But that is something that you would be well familiar with in your markets. And in fact, many of the responses that I'm going to list here will find resonance with what you have lived through in your local domiciles. So monetary easing. And in this respect, many African markets have got more to offer than any developed market. What do I mean by this is, obviously, African markets are not functioning near the zero bound. So the capacity to lower rates as a cushion, clearly not a silver bullet, but to as a meaningful source of my uh, of of stabilization has been swiftly enacted whether it is in south africa where rates are at lows unfamiliar to mo- many a modern practitioner uganda for example has front loaded rates um cuts as well and, and in many other markets as well and so the need for say more exotic quantitative easing or other what some would refer as unorthodox policy measures after a decade, they're probably the orthodoxy rather than unorthodox. But monetary policy has been a meaningful instrument. And and as I say, more in interest rate cuts, the depth of it then has been prevalent in in developed markets for obvious reasons. But fiscal stimulus is where the markets fall short. And typically two to three, sometimes 4% of GDP in the extent of fiscal stimulus. But sometimes there's also had to be creativity. In other words, bank loan guarantees as part of the overall stabilization package have been the order of the day. And just to maybe give you one case study very quickly in South Africa, despite a headline suggestion of 500 billion rand worth of fiscal stimulus, equivalent to around 5% of GDP, but embaked into that particular package was approximately 200 billion rand of suggested uh, bank guarantees, which have started to get off the ground. So there have had to be other transmission mechanisms, admittedly, under the full headline of fiscal responses that have been to be incorporated into African responses, quite simply because of the initial and ongoing precariousness of fiscal health. DFIs have come to the fore and have had to come to the fore and the African Development Bank with multi-billion rand facility and all the $3 billion has been also to the forefront. Reliance on the IMF have also helped to bolster reserve. We've seen, for example, in Nigeria after reserve has fallen precipitously in recent months, um, IMF, RFI money have helped to more recently bolster reserves. And and of course, that, that is being replicated in a variety of markets. Big business and philanthropic organizations have come to the fore very vibrantly. So whether it is Alika Dengoti and the Nigerian Business Forum that have been active in providing a private sector response in concert with the state or business for South Africa in South Africa that have uh, been co-opted as part of a meaningful response, that degree of endeavor has been meaningful. Solidarity funds, I'm crudely going to refer to it as crowdfunding. These have also been a feature of African markets. Banks have been at the forefront and the way central banks, the way monetary authorities, banks have also looked to their GFC playbook 
and have been far more quicker in actioning on items that were part of that era's response only with, of course, swifter resolve on this occasion. It, perhaps I'm fiddling with this particular remark. Some firms have refocused on, on, on production items or so apparel firms, switching to PPE, switching to mask making and so forth. There's been some degree of innovation to be able to skew um, local production. But of course, this has been in the realm of a rounding error. It hasn't been sufficient. But at the outset, I mentioned it, we've gone through a phased dynamic. And by a phased dynamic, early stabilization, lockdowns, lives in preference, to livelihoods, to put it crudely. More laterally, a recognition quite simply, and perhaps not a very vocalized sense of appreciation that the market economy is unsurpassed in its capacity to create jobs, in its capacity to generate incomes. And I think there are very few markets anywhere that are going to revert to the type of national heart lockdowns. It may have been the feature of um, society, societies in the March-April period, now perhaps more hotspot focused, but with a heightened emphasis on non-medicinal interventions to not fully uh, believe that the disease can be carved out of a particular society, but for effectively suppressing the rate of community transmission will probably become the mainstay mechanism of Africa's um, engagement with COVID-19 over the near to, to near to medium term. But with the remark that I've just uh, engaged on this particular slide, it's to highlight quite simply, whereas public policy dominated at the outset, autocratic instructions from the state on how society must organize themselves, what I refer to as the top-down approach has in fact evolved to a situation where it's more bottom-up right now. In other words, the devolution of protocols or at least protocols born out of corporates and businesses um, giving, uh, suggesting to government that this is how they would operate and this bottom-up approach has therefore allowed in many markets for a switch on from harsher levels of containment to relatively less harsh levels of, of lockdown, quite simply, as I say, because of a more constructive bottom-up microeconomic firm level um, response with their protocols rather than necessarily simply um, subscribing to state-led initiatives. And I think that's that, that has been the most meaningful evolution uh, over the near to over the recent past um, in some of the markets that have been played relatively easier. COVID-19 quite clearly will be menacing for the continent in a in a manifest way. Um, to some degree, and we I say this with with empathy, the evidence of its potential menace in nations such as Spain and Italy and its graphic nature perhaps heralded the early lockdowns, the preemptive shutdowns by many African nations and therefore allowed for an, an occasion not to necessarily ready their health, their health systems, but to be able to plan for the non-medicinal interventions. And I highlight there's just so much of readiness that could have been enacted. So for example, if you look at a typical sub-Saharan African country, it has 25 doctors for every 100,000 population. And that contrasts with 300 doctors for every 100,000 citizens in an OECD uh, an economy. 
And it is similarly dire with regard to, for example, ICU beds. And if you look at a nation such as Uganda, it has one ICU bed for every one million people, compared to roughly 350 for the same measure in the United States. So the capacity to ramp up and to be able to anticipate and prepare for it was 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 going to require simply such a Herculean leap that it was was not possible. That notwithstanding, um, we would argue that while there was much celebration of the re-emergence of the state in as a function of COVID-19 and potentially the dominance of the state in ensuing quarters and years, our sense is that that will prove fleeting in many African economies. If anything, rather than heightened state involvement, what we've seen during the current episode is simply that it highlights the state in many markets has the capacity to, to distribute funding to the poor. It is piped to the poor. It has channels of distributing aid to the poor more than necessarily um, the formal economy or even the form informal economy. And as I said, the perhaps less subtle recognition of the private sector's role in its ability to generate jobs and incomes is increasingly beginning to emerge. And I think um, that will dominate. Related to that, our sense is that in a variety of markets, and this is so evident in Kenya, it's increasingly evident in South Africa, for instance, where you are being crowded in the private sector is being crowded in quite simply because of the fiscal sparseness of of the of public of government's coffers and quite simply with more strained public finances with the balance sheet a monopoly now residing in the private sector the crowding in of the private sector to deliver on public sector goods on public goods um, will probably increase and come more to the fore. And I think in the realm of reform, and not to overstay my welcome, the remark that I will just make now is that state ownership in particular utilities, such as airlines, and despite even in South Africa, and maybe in Ethiopia, concerns that the state will continue to dominate these areas may invite the more harsh glare of the markets in due course, simply because of unaffordability. That was Gulam Balam, Chief Economist, Standard Bank Group, speaking at the 10th Africa Investors Conference.